BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Music is being destroyed because the human element is being edited out. Jen Lopez needs auto-tune. And Janet needs auto-tune. And Beyonce needs auto-tune. Hey, I'm Paco Romain. And I'm George Chen. And today on SupDoc, we are talking about This Is Pop, the music documentary series currently streaming on Netflix. This Is Pop uncovers the real stories behind your favorite pop songs and charts, the impact of the festival scene, autotune, boy bands, and more. And our guest is Eric Schwartz, who is almost featured prominently in episode two, simply named Autotune. In this episode, the producers examine how Autotune is embraced and mocked and shifts the pitch of the pop charts and change the game for artists such as Cher, T-Pain, and Kanye West. And our guest, Eric Schwartz, combines stand-up, music, and visual elements. He's appeared on Showtime, The Tonight Show, Comics Unleashed, and BET. His special, Surrender to the Blender, is on Hulu, and his stand-up clips, music videos, and sketches have over 100 million views. He's also the host and creator of podcast, The Musical. And now, let's tune it over to Eric. Huh? Oh, I get yeah, that. Yeah, it's an auto-tune joke. Clever. Thank you. Thank you so much. I get paid the big bucks for that shit. Dude, I love your intro where you said I'm featured almost prominently. <laughs> I, I, I had written that because I saw on social media that you said that you had uh, fi- like five seconds of fame or whatever. And I wrote that in yeah. there because I saw you write it. And then I was like, well, that's going to sound like I'm being a complete asshole. So, yeah. For, well, for context, they took a clip of a bit that I do on autotune that's in my special Surrender to the Blender. And they found it on the Internet and they go, hey, can uh, we use this in our documentary series and i was like yeah so i saw all five seconds and i'm considering it my five second netflix (laughs) special hell yeah dude yeah why not i'm also in joe coy's in his elements for three seconds yeah i'm in the background i saw joe standing in front of a camera and i'm like i'm gonna stand behind him and get on this special (laughs) it worked oh that's awesome yeah three i've i've had two that's less than 10 second specials on Netflix. What did, what so. did Andy Warhol say? It was like 10 seconds. seconds of, yeah, it's 15 minutes. seconds of fame yeah. for everybody. I'm at eight. I'm at eight. Dude, you're almost so there. I got seven more. <laughs> uh, my, and I'm famous. I, I am on screen during the flop house of Viceland. <laughs> Uh, for five seconds, they did not use my set. <laughs> I, I am on screen for three seconds on Drunk History on Comedy Central. So, oh wow, yeah, we both, we all use them as credits. We all yeah. use them as credits. Fuck yeah, dude, I'm using this Gecko. Gecko. I'm yeah, yeah. So Paco, next time we work together, I'm gonna. That's my intro. <laughs> is uh, he's had two Netflix specials. <laughs> you, if you blinked, you didn't see it. His two Netflix. It's a micro special. It's a. It's. I call that a micro special. Awesome. I what, dude? Why not? Who cares anymore? Right? <laughs> I mean, we just survived you a know, pandemic. But you also you know, have it, a special, though. I do have a special <laughs> so, called "Surrender to the Blender," yeah. and um, you can get it for free off my website, which is. Uh, EricSchwartzLive.com. Boom! There it is. See how we wrap. Yeah. Good night, everybody. Good night. And see, that's how long I do things. Right. <laughs> right. Like, this is this really podcast. getting too long for me. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, you got to get out of here. You, yeah. you are like a classic millennial. This is this is how you roll. Just I do three minute podcasts and three second uh, Netflix specials. I yeah, would fuck. I would fuck with a podcast that was only three minutes. I think that's I the future. That is the future. <laughs> what would you do with the other two minutes? <laughs> that, you knew that was Just coming. smoke a cigarette. Oh, wait. Oh. You knew that was coming? Oh. Uh, I didn't even mean that one. God damn it. This is good. This is good. Now, uh, I, I do want to ask, like, I, I heard that you guys were talking about Helvetica. How come we didn't uh. dig into Helvetica? Because I just randomly did a search on uh, the, the guy who started 
Plexifilm, which is a DVD oh, yeah. that I always talk about. He's the guy who made Helvetica. Mm. And I just added him on, on uh, Twitter, so maybe he'll actually listen to this episode. So we need to have that guy. Such on. a great doc. Well, how Havetica came up is we were talking in the green room when we were working together at uh, Cobb's Comedy Club, and uh, I talked about, I have a bit about fonts, ah. how much I love fonts, and then Paco was talking about the, the documentary Helvetica, and I'm like, I got to check that out. Oh, you haven't it's, seen it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, for a documentary yeah. about typeface, it's pretty good. I mean, I nerd out on that mm. stuff. That's what I, my bit is called. I'm a font savant. Mm. Nice. So I'd love to know, I'd love to really be a font savant where I could identify every font. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just, there's just too many. But I can identify some. Um, you know, who's a font savant is uh, Fred from the QAnon documentary. He's like a oh, typeface right. designer. He's like, this is a oh, Q. Really? He talks about all the different ways you can do Q. Yeah. yeah, he designs his own. That's right. That's a whole special level of font savantness <laughs> is when you're designing your own. It's like, that's sans serif, you know, <laughs> or however you say that. I love fonts. I don't, I can't construct them, but I do love them. I, yeah, there, I, I have had to, because I'm a comedian in this day and age of DIY, I've had to learn so many trades that I never thought I would learn. Absolutely. Graphic designer, you know, um, video editor. Oh, everything. I learned how to, th during the pandemic, I had to learn lighting, which I'm not doing a very good job of on this, on this <laughs> podcast, but. <laughs> Did you see Bo Burnham's shadow. special? Yeah, it was awesome. Like that dude obviously taught himself a bunch of shit. Yeah. I did a 30 songs in 30 day challenge for myself in May, in March. And, um, in March. And uh, when I was watching that, I'm like, oh, he did the whole year of what I did. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I loved I love that he did that. He's like, OK, pandemic, I'm going to make the best use of this time. Drive myself crazy. He literally locked himself in a room and went crazy. Or that's what it seems like mm -hmm. to us watching. Right. So it would seem. Yeah, that's um, I agree about being like a comedian. If it's just something that you want in your life and you're going to go full force, you have to do a little bit of fucking everything. Website design, mm -hmm. HTML, graphic design, editing, lighting, color correction. Yeah. It's one might say a jack of all trades and a master of none. One might say. It's true. That is true. Wait, you said master of none like <laughs> you meant to I know. go to a title of a something else that's on Netflix by Aziz Ansari. Yes, yes. Is that what you I, meant? That, that was the... Oh, is that what you were doing? Okay. Jesus. Literal text. It's awesome. That Because Paco hate hates that, that show. Yeah, I Paco hate that show. Oh, okay. I hate that show. I didn't know this was a callback from a previous episode. That's all we do. Maybe just life. You've said it in life. I don't know if you said it on the mic. <laughs> I think it's the worst thing I've ever seen, personally, but whatever. Really? I, I like I it. have opinions. Yeah, that's fine. Great, great font on the logo, too. Oh, good font. I, good font. I don't know. What great music I, supervision. Speaking of music. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. That's all he does is segues. This guy is a segue master. That's why you got him here. So this, so who contacted you? The producers, the director, Netflix, T-Pain? Who, who called you up? <laughs> T-Pain. The producers, uh, they're called Banger Films. They're a company out of Canada. Oh. And they made, I believe they made Hip Hop Revolution, which is brilliant. Have you watched it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. I think I know which one you're talking about, yeah. So good. I mean, as a hip-hop fan, it was like, oh, my God, so brilliant. And Russell Peters is one of the executive producers. Mm, got it. Uh, and and so they contacted me. I looked them up, and I found out that they did uh, Hip-Hop Revolution. And I'm like, yeah, I'm in. They didn't know if they were going to use it or not, but I was like, you know, whatever you guys want to use, use it. And, and uh, yeah, that's they found it. They found me by internet search. That's why, also, yeah, as a comedian, SEO. you have to be an SEO specialist. The yeah. Keywords, man. Did and yeah. do you think that's how they found you? Is through like a keyword search? Was it like yeah? Oh yeah. Just auto tune and then something mm -hmm. led to something. Yeah. Wow. Was it on your some kind of? Was it on your website or like YouTube? The video. YouTube. Got it. They actually found another video of me doing that bit. But it, I didn't have license mm. to that particular video. And so I have it from my special, which I own that 
that version. And um, yeah, so and you're able to get that's, it to that's him. That's how they found me. Interesting. Yeah. Were you pleasantly did so? Did you know that you were not cut out of it until you watched it? Yeah, I didn't know. This is like two years ago. Oh. So it just came out. It was about two years ago that they contacted me, and I'd forgotten about it. And I saw this. I saw people trending. It was trending on Twitter, like them talking about T Pain and Auto Tune on this documentary. And I go, Oh, I wonder if that's the one, the documentary. And I looked it up, and it was. Oh, cool. That's. Pr- you know what I found was really crazy though. This I want to make sure that I say this. Please. They they kind of made it seem like I was grouped into a bunch of clips that were like kind of talking negatively down to t-pain yeah mm. negatively about t-pain and i that's not the intention on my bit mm-hmm. i hopefully that came through he listens, to, show. He listens to the show so t-pain's he, he a big oh he listens to the show. yeah okay, he's a perfect. big fan yeah he's a okay did you grow up like a hip-hop fan yeah so i was a break dancer that's how i lost my hair spinning on my head me too. Really no, honest. wait. Yeah. <laughs> but which, were you a breakdancer at all? Yeah, yeah, I used to breakdance. Not, I was not nice. good. I was a kid right. who was trying to breakdance. And uh, I started DJing amazing. when I was 14. I spent my bar mitzvah money on DJ equipment. And so I, w- I used to work at the swap meets with my dad selling clothing. And... Uh, it, they had a record stand there called Rhodium Records. It's this famous swap meet record stand at the Rhodium. And I would buy all my, spend all my money that I made that day on records, and I would take them back to the suburbs and play them for my friends and DJ parties. And so that was like before the internet, so I could be the tastemaker of hip hop in Thousand Oaks. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah. I love record swaps, like record meet, yeah. like record swap stuff. Records, oh, record swaps, yeah. like swapping records. Oh, this is something different. This is a swap meet. Oh. Which is, you know, the swap yeah, Where meet, where you get meat. Yeah. Just like well, I know it sounds like you're going to swap something, but you actually just buy things. You swap money for stuff. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. I think that you used to do like, hey, I'll swap you this, but like now it's basically like open air market. You, we used to sell clothing, discount clothing, and then, uh, you know, wholesale prices, and then they somehow had some supply uh, from records labels or whatever. I don't know how they got all these mm-hmm. records, but they had the best selection of records in the in the city. Oh, that's dope. But record swapping, what do you what what did you uh what jewels have you swapped? It's like comic book trade. Yeah. Oh man, all kinds of stuff. Although I just so I have my albums there behind me. I just realized oh, yeah. going through them cuz I bought a new turntable um that my Steely Dan albums are missing. I don't have any Steely Dan albums. They ended up at the swap meet. That's why. They could have. I ended, didn't swap them. Did you or you did not? I, you did not break I into my not. house and take my Steely Dan albums and swap them? Okay. No. Because there used to be the KUSF, KUSF, which is one of the greatest college radio stations in history, which is right near my house in San Francisco, uh, the college radio station at USF College. They used to have a record swap meet. Like once a I've month. I sold it. I sold it. That thing. I think it was like See? quarterly. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, it was like once in a while, and you'd get like a little thing in the mail that's like, our, and it was awesome. It was awesome. You take, you could take junk. Like, like here's another Linda Ronstadt album. You know, that's been clawed up by my cat or something. And people are like, I'll take it. I just here's went to, really. Yeah, I just, I just went to like a metal market in uh, on in Echo Park. It was like, it was like one of those, but it was all metal stuff. It's all metal record sales. Metal. That sounds awesome. Yeah, and like and like T-shirts and random stuff like that. It's pretty rad. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know you liked metal. Oh yeah, I like I like lots of stuff. I mean, I did buy a Kate Bush record at the Metal Swap, okay. so that tells okay. you anything about my. my <laughs> I'll, he I'll likes metal and Kate Bush. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. metal Kate Bush would be like my thing. Actually. I think that's lingua ignota. Actually, that is what that is. Yeah. Yeah. Is that is I don't know what kind of music Kate Bush is, is it like acoustic folk music? Nah, man. She's like avant-garde pop, basically. Oh, oh you know okay. what? You know what? She you could maybe lump her in. I wouldn't lump her in with I'm just trying to segue back into the topic. She was big in the eighties, and so was a track that I like by Laurie Anderson, Oh Superman. They did not talk about that at all, because it's actually a vocoder. It's not autotune. Uh, this is the thing that look at that. Yeah, I was very I got really, I used to really confuse vocoder and autotune and I guess the talk box. Because, yeah, but me I too. guess they're just kind of like literally three different ways to get a similar result. Um, yeah. Yeah, the sound of a vocoder 
is much different to me than auto-tune. Mm-hmm. So vocoder is like robotic voice to me, right? Mm-hmm. And TalkBox, I believe, is the same thing as a vocoder because you I don't know. The, a vocoder yeah. is the keyboard where you're actually assigning a pitch to the voice that you're bringing through it. And then a TalkBox is like you're playing the same thing. You're playing guitar yeah. or keyboard to affect the, the pitch, but you have a tube in your mouth. Yeah. So you can like do expression that way like that's how you actually shape the sound with your mouth yeah and then a auto-tune is like a plug-in that makes you sing on a certain key mm-hmm. sing on key it's pitch it's pitch um it's pitch adjustment right but what we know when we talk about t-pain when we talk about like <clears throat> is like the auto-tune was designed to not be apparent at all and basically people right. fucked with the settings and that's what I love about yeah. this story is it's like people using technology the wrong way and then it, that becoming a thing. Exactly. That's what I really liked about this and I learned a little bit. That's why that. all the criticism about T-Pain is totally unwarranted and I've always said this for years before this documentary is like T-Pain's using it obviously. He's telling you he's using auto-tune. Right. He's using it as an effect or an instrument and saying, hey, Look how cool I can make this sound. This is a different sound. The people that, and then he gets the criticism for all the people who are using it surreptitiously mm. and you know secretively. And there's almost everybody in pop music or in music in general uses auto tune because nowadays it's actually the sound that we are accustomed to. Like if you don't use auto tune, it's gonna sound weird. Pitchy. You know, on a pop yeah. record. Even if you're an amazing vocalist, they just use it to kind of smooth things out. Not that it just it now is almost used as an effect as well, like a reverb or a delay. Mm. But T-Pain's doing it like so honestly, and he totally didn't deserve any of that. I, it really like uh, it makes me <laughs> it makes me mad because it's like, haven't you gotten criticism before where you're like, but I'm not doing that. You're criticizing me for something that other people are doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so frustrating to me. Imagine how it must feel for him. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off-limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot Grab your copy of the Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I didn't understand. Usher was my friend. He was like, nah, man, you really like, you really fucked up music for real singers. Literally at that point, I couldn't listen. Is he right? Did I did I fuck this up? Did I fuck up music? And I and that is the very moment. And I, I don't even think I, I realized this for a long time. That's the very moment that started 
like a four-year depression for me. So that was T-Pain on the on a plane, uh, getting Usher basically having his hero tell him that he ruined music. And what he said though is, "You fucked up music." We didn't actually hear the clip when you guys heard it listening, but I think he said something like, "You really fucked music up." But this is the time if I were T-Pain, I would have to go into my uh, four agreements artist way toolbox of mental uh, um, tools. And I would say to myself, yeah, I did fuck up music. <laughs> it's never going to be the same. Disrupted, yeah. Yeah, I just, he's a, exactly, that's the perfect word. He disrupted music. He's the uber of the music business. <laughs> he is the uber of the, so you, do you, who is, like, Eric, who is your uh, comedy god? There's so many. I mean, but who? Like, Robin. Okay. Robin. Can Williams. you imagine going to Robin in the green room and being like, Robin, I've always wanted to meet you. I love your comedy. He's like, Eric, love you, guy. Just got to say, you've ruined comedy. I, <laughs> I would say that was a huge compliment for Robin Williams. If he, if he, he's like, oh, I've made an impression on you that like I destroyed like, your art form. Yeah. That would be He'd something. be like, boss. Yeah. yeah. You ruined comedy, boss. <laughs> um, worst Robin Williams impression ever. But I, I could hear. Yeah, it, it was in there. There's a kernel of truth in there. But you need a Robin tune. I do. Yeah. Yes. Stupid. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> that's dude. I, that's 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 bio. Well, now I'm picturing like uh, modern pop songs done like that. Like, hit me, baby, one more time. Oh. Made you s- <laughs> he had a microphone that made you sound like Robin Williams. Yeah. Right. 80s to 2000s. Yeah, yeah. Just a, a Yeah. Hey, boss. <laughs> I, I don't know how he does it. it I, I've never tried it. Yeah, it's that's hilarious. I mean, like, but I mean, to meet your idol and have someone say that to you and then be like, I don't know. I kind of, I don't know. It depends for me, I guess. I think it depends on my mood. If half half of me thinks I'd be like, and the other half would be like, fuck you. Like, yeah. I believe in this and it's and it works. I mean, the thing the crazy thing is is like it's not like he was an unknown who hadn't done anything spectacular T-Pain I'm talking about. You know, like he had already sold a ton of albums and worked with a bunch of great people like, you know, it's not like he was some unknown that never sold an album. The guy sold millions of records. Well, that'd be I mean, if Usher said that to an unknown guy who hadn't sold anything, that would just be a total dick thing to say. Yeah, that's I mean, true. it's already kind of a dick thing to say. It's worse. It's like, hey, you have no power in the industry. I, I think you're terrible. Like, so I, admittedly, I don't know much about T-Pain and I never have. I kind of missed hip hop. In the early 2000s to the mid 2000s, even though I worked for a hip hop label, which is kind of weird. Um, but so this was cool. I didn't know much about his history until watching this doc. I was um, very, it was cool. Like I said, I, I didn't know that uh, he, like how he came up and the whole Kanye West stuff. And the, I just knew him as the auto tune guy. Like it's the only way yeah, I know. I think. Now he's getting a lot of, because of this documentary, because of he did a Tiny Desk concert, and now he also does stuff on Twitch, and he's posting clips from that. And I think he's having, I wouldn't say a resurgence, because he's never really went away, but he's having a, a something new forming around him. I think I'm really happy for that, because yeah. people are finally recognizing him and giving him his credit. Right. Yeah, the most contradictory and um, hypocritical part of that documentary is right in the beginning when Wendy Williams, <laughs> my girlfriend totally pointed this out to me, and this is totally her observation. We were watching it, and Wendy Williams goes, J-Lo can't sing without auto-tune, and so-and-so can't sing without auto-tune, and this person, and the crowd's going, ooh, <laughs> right? And my girlfriend goes, I'm Wendy Williams. I can't talk without breast implants. <laughs> and I can't talk to you without lip implants. Some augmentations, was, yes. <laughs> she's auto-tuned her whole body. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, it's it's pretty easy to throw rocks at people like that. Because, I mean, I mean, fucking Peter Frampton, what was he using in, like, the 70s? And, you know, like that. 
That was a talk box on his guitar. It was a talk box. I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He would play the guitar through that. That's right. I just read about that because I didn't really know how that worked, but I didn't get that. What it was doing is running a signal into his mouth. So it's like almost like a jaw harp. Like he's shaping mm-hmm. the sounds, and that's getting picked up on the mic. So it's actually electroacoustic. I, I thought it was like doing something out out an amp, but it's just like it's coming. The sound you're hearing is coming through the mouth into the mic. Yeah, it's um. Oh, yeah, it's whoa. the talk box hose. Yeah, it's like a it's hose. An air, like it's a, like uh, shooting the sound, and then you're shaping it with your mouth. Yeah. Yeah, there's a the guy on a uh, 24 karat magic. You know the um. Bruno Mars song. His name is Mr. Talkbox, and he does it. He's great. And then now there's one that's hoseless. Ooh. There's like a device that doesn't have a hose. It's called Electro Spit. Ooh. And I be- I don't know how it works, but I think you like play it. You can play it on your phone. Ooh. You can like I don't know how you do Whoa. it. Whoa. What is so, what did Rod- Roger Troutman use? I think is that's that, a talkbox uh, too. Yeah, it's um. Yeah, it's a talk. Well, he has he had it on a keyboard. Oh, right, right. But the signal, the special. Yeah, he's saying the signal of the keyboard through his mouth, through the tube, and then that's coming. I picked up on the mic. I think it's a Korg keyboard. Mm -hmm. There's one that's like really well known for that, and you, it's like a real small one. It's like a reverse melodica. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, Yeah. it is kind of a reverse melodica. That is so wild. Because like it's it's just it's kind of like like uh, when Bob Dylan plugged in. You know, uh, micro Korg. That's what Nick is saying. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. But that's but yeah, I think it's called a micro Korg. But it's it's so it, dumb to to like blame does. anyone for using technology to use for their art. I think just it's just mm-hmm. so lame because like so many people have done it. Even like plugging in, going from acoustic to electric, or Frampton or Roger Troutman. It's like, who cares if people mm-hmm. enjoy it? Like, who the fuck cares? It's such a it was such a weird backlash. You know, like, mm-hmm. is I don't know if there's like an equivalent today of something like that. Well, I would, well, yeah. yeah, I was gonna say like this idea that like T Pain ruined pop music, and we we're just talking about like really commercial music in the first place. Like that was pure somehow before you know T Pain. Like that's the other implication. I mean, the series is called This Is Pop, so it's like it's you know like the people that they interview and they're like Suzanne Chiani's never had a pop hit, you know. So it's it's interesting. It's, it's just more about like how that get uh, brought up into like the upper echelon of like you know mass culture. That's true, but what would the equivalent of today be? I don't know. I think. The lesson I took from it is anytime you get criticized for doing something new and different, doing something different, which in my stand-up, I've gotten criticized for sure. I use video, I use uh, music, I do stand-up, but at the base of it, but I do all these other things that I know a lot of comedians don't like. Mm. And the takeaway that I got from this, yeah, is... Keep doing it because yeah. you're doing something right. Amen, dude. You you had fans there and T-shirts, and I watched your set. It was awesome. It was not only just very funny, but it was super creative. Like I was like, this is fucking awesome. It's a Thanks. show. Like, you have a show. It seems like a, like a performance. Thank you for saying that. This is how I see it. If you're really being true to yourself, which that show is me being true to myself, then do it. You know, it's like what you're supposed to do as a performer, as – especially as a comedian is to be yourself and to tell your story and to, you know, not try to conform to society. And if I were to go along with what the critici- the criticizers said, that's exactly what I would be doing. Right. So that is a really, really fucking fascinating point and very poignant as well as like so many people will try to tear you down if you try something out of the box, something that seems scary and new and also something that they can't do. Like I, I have to admit, I hated the Bo Burnham special that he just released because I was like, mm. fuck you. <laughs> for being like at this You're level. You're so good. <laughs> fuck you for this. Yeah, I couldn't watch it because I was like, ugh. Fuck you. I, I hated it. So good. Because I'm like, I, I want to do that. You know, <laughs> like, God damn it. Uh, but it's, man, I, I agree 100% about like, uh, it's comedy is a weird, I don't even know if it were, like exists in the music world. 
as much as it does in the comedy world, where if you try something different, people don't like it or comedians mostly, you know, and I don't know mm-hmm. what that is. I, it's like, they'll be like, that's not stand up. It's like, well, what the fuck is, and why are you the stand up like God? Why are you stand up? Yeah, I've, I've, I've had comedians who are my friends. One in particular, tell me to my face, like he, he has no tact, right? This person, <laughs> but <laughs> name names. You got to love him at the end of the day. I'm not going to say who it is, but he's like argued with me at, I was at the Laugh Factory and he's arguing with me like, you shouldn't be doing shows at the Laugh Factory. You should be at the Roxy. I love, I like what you do, but it's not for the stand up club. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he's like a pretty well-known comedian. And okay. we're friends. We're still friends. Yeah. But it's just like. Just, okay. it's Dane Cook, it's, isn't it? No, no, no. Dane no. Cook? No, I'm joking. No. Yeah, I was going to say, because you said he's well known. I'm, I was going to say, like, after he's done admonishing you, he's like, now nah, I'm going to go hit up that open mic in Burbank. But think about what I told you. <laughs> you know, and you're like, yeah, I'm headlining the comedy factory. So <laughs> but since then, I've seen him do songs, not necessarily on stage. But like I've seen him put out songs and you know yeah it's 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 all Felipe like, Esparza now that you know what it is <laughs> okay no <laughs> I just thought he put out a song and it's all yeah. guys it was Bo Burnham okay? <laughs> I knew it I knew it <laughs> no was it no yeah hey I no, like actually, the movie I Eighth did. Grade but it's a movie it's not stand up you know <laughs> yeah uh, no but Bo actually I met him when he was seventeen. We both did a show in London, or it's a TV. It was a TV appearance called "This." It, what is it called? Oh, the world stands up. Mm. And uh, he was seventeen. He just started getting popular from his internet videos from his YouTube videos. And I had seen him. I already know who he was. And uh, man, I I loved him from the jump. I loved what he did. It's so cool to see him go from that to this. What he was doing back then was like, you know, it's just a little seed of of that. And some people didn't get it. Right. But now it's just so it's so it's so obvious how much of a genius that guy is. Yeah, it's like absolutely next level. And how he like perfectly stage manages his performances and stuff. That's I saw him at Cobb's a bunch of years ago and I was like blown away. Mm -hmm. I was like the like the precision of everything that he does and. But it does really um, surprise me how much uh, like I, I wonder if it's like because stand up comics pretty much are failed at everything else they do. And then they get into stand up comedy and they're like, oh, I can do this. And then if they see someone who obviously you know, like you may have gone to like music school or theater school as well and you're good at all these things, they're like, I can't handle it if you do too many good things, you know. Speaking mm. of that, I, I have a weird connection to this doc, which is, has to do with failing in other things. Which is, I used to do music journalism, and Julianne Shepard was my editor at the Portland Mercury. Like oh, one wow. of the first, uh, you know, things I got in an alt weekly. And yeah, we randomly only knew each other off the internet. And I just was like, hey, can I send you this? And she's like, yeah, I'll run it. So yeah. And then she's now, I think, at Jezebel or something. She, I think she used to work at the Fader as well. So she's a, she's a big T Pain defender in this film. Right. And oh, she's actually in the yeah, film. yeah. She's a journalist that talks a lot about T Pain and sort of defend and you know talks about how the tiny desk sort of was like his. Oh, and you yeah. you submitted to her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we've oh, met. Okay. We met like in. I don't I mean it's been years since I've seen her. You know, talk to her, but yeah, uh, it was great to see her in this. Also, Jace Clayton, who is DJ Rupture, is a great uh, voice in this film as well. Uh, he's also. Another person I in another failed life I've interacted with, and then Suzanne Chiani I've never uh, you know talked to, but she I saw her perform a couple times, so yeah, she's great as well. I had a feeling that you'd be a a, a fan of hers. Yeah, I know it you, made, you, yeah, it made me like the series. Um, I checked out two of the other films in the series, and I noticed a big difference between the first one, which is about Swedish pop music, and then the third one's about country pop music. And then this one was like those two other ones kind of had like weird, like kind of hosty character, hosty narrator people. And I feel like this one didn't really have that so much, which I think is good. Uh, I mean, T-Pain's kind of like your window into it to like sort of have set up like some emotional stakes to it. 
which I feel like the other ones don't do so well. But like the third one has Orville Peck, like kind of narrating, uh, talking about country pop. And the first one, I don't remember who the dude is, but it's, I mean, it's a fascinating story about like how Sweden has come to dominate the pop world. And I've read, someone on Twitter said that these are basically like 30 for 30s for music. Ah, uh, that's funny. Yeah, it's kind of like that. You know, that it was interesting why, why they varied the style of each one. Because the one that, I mean, they should all have, you know, a through line. Like they could license clips from my entire special for the whole <laughs> thing. I wouldn't mind. Yeah. But, uh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, but, yeah, because then I would have it like a, 35 second right. Netflix special. <laughs> it's like four Netflix specials for you. I've been on seven episodes of the, Yeah. I uh, I like the boy yeah. band one. I like the first one because, you know, like that was good. Yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it. The boys to men mm-hmm. kind of arc and you know, like the style's totally different from this one though, I would say. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, the first two don't have hosts, and then the third one has a host. Mm. And I'm like, wait, did I miss the host in the first? But yeah, you know what? There was a pandemic going on. They <laughs> right. had to get it done. I think that maybe that had something to do with hmm. why the styles varied. But if they're by themselves, they all stand by themselves. Hmm. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So were you a T-Pain fan from the jump? Were you a fan like from the early 2000s, Eric? Or was it? Yeah, you know, I was always a fan. And then I, I used to do a lot of parody songs. I do some now and again, but... It used to be all parodies. And T-Pain was one of the artists that I parodied. And the first time I tried to parody him, you know, you learn a lot from about music by doing parodies because you have to imitate and try to get that sound. And trying to get his harmonies, I was like, whoa, he's got some really different harmonies. And I recognized his talent, like how, you know, people were already criticizing the autotune thing at the beginning. And, you know, finding the sound and then finding all the harmony parts, it was it was actually really hard. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you were like, oh, and this guy's talented. From from a, a auto-tune, use, autotune user's perspective, it's actually really fun. I bet. You know what I mean? Like, to hear your voice sound different than it sounds, yeah. it's actually really fun. And it, and, it, and it brings out a different performance from the user. So I bet. Do you still do auto tune in your bit in your stand up? Yeah, I do it in my live show. Yeah, I have a. I don't know if you saw in the show we did together, but I have a. It's not auto tune brand or anything, but it has like a tuner in it that sounds like auto tune, and uh, I use that in my show. Yeah, that's awesome. I saw like you like to improvise uh, with audience members and then do a song about them or whatever the interaction was or is. Yeah. That's that's a, a particular skill set that I extremely admire because that's so fun. Oh, thanks. It's just you know, like any of this stuff, you just do it enough and you you get you get some results. Right, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, and you just make fun of it not working. Is, you know, do you think that's something that you had to learn over years of doing stand up? If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Or were you always like, did you always bring that to the, to your performance? Yeah, I think. I, I think the less you care about it working, the better off you're going to be. That is something, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's weird. It's like yeah, you can only do so much preparation, and then when a you know when you do improv classes, they say mistakes are gifts. Right. So you have to, you know, if you if you make a mistake, the best thing you can do is try to turn it around, right? Yeah. So that's all that is yeah that's that's awesome that's something i've been trying to bring more into my stand-up act is just like not holding it so tightly like hold it loosely and like realize that the audience is there is like a lot of times you're like i'm performing without a net it's like well the audience is your net you know they want to see you do well so i told somebody a friend of mine was nervous about going up the other night and uh i was trying to pep talk him and i go i go you know, what? what's the worst that can happen? You bomb your ass off. But guess what? I'm still going to love you. And I thought... Oh, that's nice. That's what I, that's what I tell myself. Yeah, yeah. I was that guy. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was actually... I mean, we've... It was actually somebody else, but... 
it should be me. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You got to be your, you got to be a good friend to yourself sometimes when that happens. Cause we've all had bombing nightmares. Lord knows I've had my share. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. I've, I've done a couple corporate gigs that were like, Oh man. I was like, please get me off this stage now. <laughs> I need to go. Like, I don't want to tell me what happened. Tell me what happened. Should I? I, yeah, uh, I'll tell you mine. I, I, oh, oh man, I've had a, I've had enough of them. But one of the big, big ones was um, I was actually telling Chad Opitz this at Cobb's was, um, I did a corporate event for a, um, for a group um, for the it was the National, um, basically Down Syndrome Association. They were doing their national fundraiser, and I was the entertainment, and um, it did not go well. Um, I, I literally got booed off the stage. Whoa. <laughs> what? I got uh, booed off. I, it wasn't a boo. It's just because I, I don't want it to sound like I'm making fun of, of kids with Down syndrome at all. It wasn't them. It was me. It was like a, it was like hundreds of families um, that were there to do fundraising for um, this awesome charity. I was the only entertainment, which I didn't know. It was also daytime, not in a in a club or anything. It was in basically a cafeteria at this mansion in Napa Valley, and uh, it was like five p.m. And it was they also when I came out, and he's like, "Hey, remember to bring your checks up, and then here's your headliner." And everyone's like, "Yay!" And I came out, and <laughs> and just as they were serving dinner, and nobody was listening to me at all. And then I thought I should do some crowd work. And that started the train down the hill. Um, so I basically said to this girl, like, hey, is this your boyfriend you're sitting next to? And she was like, you're being rude. And then um, that chant caught on. And then a few minutes later, I had hundreds of kids screaming, you're being rude to me on stage. <laughs> and then uh, the host came back out and was like, Give it up for Pokemon. And I walked off the stage and was like, Oh man. I don't ever want to do this ever again. <laughs> I quit comedy. Well, first of all, recognize that you are in one of the hardest situations for comedy to go over. I don't think they were expecting a show. That's number one. No, they were not. They were eating. They served them food right when you came out. What are you going to go for? Yeah. Well, I, if you're hungry. Yeah, they're eating. And there was a, what all I could tell was maybe maybe a ketchup shortage. Um, there was not enough ketchup. <laughs> I, I, I'm not trying to be flippant, but they were there were a lot of people were upset over a lack of ketchup, I guess. Mm. Um, and um, yeah, it just went downhill fast. And then I went to because it was a mansion in Napa. They were, yeah. they gave me the presidential suite to spend the night, drink free wine. They had all these games after the fundraiser thing that I was uh, as the, and I just left. I was like, fuck this. And I got out and I went to my car and the valet was like, how was your evening, sir? And I was like, get me my car. And then it took them like way too long to get my car. And now parents were coming out with their kids because they were trying to settle their kids down. All their oh, kids no. were looking at me waiting for my car. And they all started screaming, you're being rude some more to me. More <laughs> after you're done. I was basically, now they're being rude. Now they're being rude. Exactly. But I, I'm, I get overwhelmed by, by sound and by mm -hmm. smell. I get like quickly overwhelmed and both of those things were happening in that room at the time the screaming of you're being rude and the the sound of ketchup bottles being squeezed i was gonna say the smell of the lack of ketchup yeah there was a serious shortage there's a big demand and a big shortage of ketchup so um well feel lucky that you got booed off the stage and got to stop <laughs> um, yes thank you have you been booed and had I, to keep going well i didn't get booed but might as well. This is a long time ago. I was doing a show for the California Association of Poultry. <laughs> Wanted to get that name right. I like the pause. The pause is the best part. Poultry? Yeah. Oh, you mean cap. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Cap. Yeah. Cap. Yeah, sorry. I didn't know you were an insider. Uh, yeah. Oh, I've done work for hey. Cap. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Cap. Uh, and uh, they found me through, I went to Cal Poly, and I was written up in the Cal Poly magazine as being a comedian, and that's all the credits they needed. 
He's a comedian that went to the same school, mm. and he's 20 years younger than anyone at this at this party. Mm. So I go to the, the show. It's like in a banquet room. There's a stage. We're having dinner first, and I'm sat, seated right next to Peter Zaki. Guess what company he works for, or he owns? Tyson. Chickens. Yep. Really? Yeah. Well, they were there. No, they were at the other Peter Zaki, Zaki Farms. Oh, th- yeah. Chicken farm. <laughs> yeah. But Tyson was at another another table. Sure. And so we're talking, and you know, I'm trying to be nice and w- make friends because I'm going to go up later. Which is, you never want to sit with the audience before you go up on stage and get to know them. Never. So, <laughs> so I go up and I'm doing my and this is you know this is a while ago so i'm even younger and so my sensibility is like i'm talking about hip-hop i'm talking about pop culture <laughs> and these guys were like what we just know about Blaine chicken campbell yeah <laughs> yeah and the one bit that i did have that was chicken related is i do <laughs> i do this remix of the chicken dance Oh wow! Did that the da 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 that one? Oh my goodness! I sell it, I I would sell it as like the best song ever. That it's like the 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 monster jam of the summer, and I go hit that, and it's like chicken dance, and then I go remix, and I turned it into a reggae beat, and I call it the jerk chicken dance, right? Nice. So even that. Did I kind of went over? I kept doing it. I did it like two, three times. Oh, yeah. So I was like, all right, this is your chicken material. I think I had to do 45 minutes or something. It was the longest 45 minutes ever. Dude, those are, was it just yeah. dead silent? Or was there any? For a lot of it, yeah. yeah. That's what yeah. those corporate gigs are. They're mostly just silent with people looking at you stunned. Like, I've had some good ones, but you got to keep in mind, you got to keep in mind, they're at work, so they can't be seen laughing at certain things that are, you know, kind of sexual or right. off color or whatever. Now I've learned so. to ask beforehand, who can I make fun of? Give me some names. Give me some titles. Point some right. people out to me because that's what they want. Just you, They want you to roast the boss or the, yeah. the boss's bosses, you know. Yeah. I'm just picturing I a was, corporate at like the Scientology Center. Like who? Who can I make I've fun done of? Shows oh, there. Have you? Yeah. They used to do a bunch of shows slash recruitment sessions. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Are you a Scientologist? Me? Yeah. No. Okay. I did hear that they have an open mic. Yeah. There's like a. I'm Jewish. Oh right, they, right, right. No, they. It's kind of what it was, but I mean, they. They. It was a produced show. It was. Really nice at the Celebrity Center in Hollywood. Yeah. I don't know right how I got booked on this thing, yeah, but like, hey, if you yeah, can't get a UCB, UCB, come to this. <laughs> and they were actually pretty fun shows. And after like the second or third time I did it, and they would always go really well. And they, this guy comes up to me. He goes, "Hey, you want to take a tour uh, of our building?" And he was touring me around the buildings. It was like so nice. It's like really nice. I didn't really get into Scientology or anything, but... Did you get your thetans counted or whatever they do? No. Yeah. No. It seems like a nice place. That's all I could get from it. But he goes, hey, do you want to come and maybe talk about joining? And I go, ah, I'm okay. And he was cool. He's like, he let me go. I, you know, I didn't... Nothing. He didn't kidnap oh, me or wow. anything. That's awesome. Yeah. So wait, you went to Cal Poly. Did you... Were you studying engineering or something or math? No, um... And this is my connection to George. I studied journalism. Oh, shit. <laughs> nice. That's, d- George, was that your major? No, I just, that was I just ended that. up doing it later. Right. I, took, I took a class or two in it, yeah. But, yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't do a major in it, yeah. One of the, like, segue, but one of the, like, kookiest parts of that This Is Pop is the, is the scientist guy, the guy who invented yeah. auto-tune, Dr. Andy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, Dude, that is... N- <laughs> 
Do you remember when he's like walking and he tries to grab his wife's hand and she just oh. Melania's it away? Dude, she did not want to be in that shot. Yeah, I missed that part. I, I, was, I actually I saw it too. I actually, that's weird that we both noticed that. She was, was just like, very, no. he's just like, he's just like, kind of like reaches for it and she kind of just walks ahead of him. She's like, like, why don't you walk oh. with one of your girlfriends, Dr. Andy? <laughs> What'd they show that? I don't, know. I don't know. I thought it was the funniest choice. I, thing. That's funny. They're like, look, he really is a nerd. <laughs> yeah. So with Autotune, we were at a luncheon with my distributor and his wife, because she was a singer. And she said, Andy, why don't you make me a box that would have me sing in tune? And I knew pretty much how to do it right away, technically, because a lot of the work I had done it related to those issues. So after the luncheon, I went straight to my desk and wrote a lot of equations and solved some gnarly mathematical problems to make the computing feasible. I had the software running perfectly. I said, I think I'll call it Autotune. And that's exactly what came out four months later. There is a, a huge need in the recording industry for singers to be in tune. Before Autotune, the singers would have to spend a lot of time in the studio, and the only technology means they had were very uh, difficult to use. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Where'd you start doing stand-up, Eric? Was it actually at Cal Poly? At like open mics? At Cal Poly, yeah. I no, I I uh, created my own shows. Oh. And in the in the dorms, I put on shows. I had everybody sign up to do their talent. It was like a talent show, uh. and I was the host. Ah. Uh. And we yeah, and um, I would do like a set at the beginning. In between everybody, I'd do some stuff, and then at the end, I'd have like a longer set. So, is this something yeah. like and that you knew you wanted to do as a kid, like hip hop, turntablism, comedy? Well, it kind of like the comedy part. I was always a, a big comedy fan, and I would recite other comedians' uh, material to my friends, and uh, they kept saying, "Like you're so funny, you should do stand up," you know. And I believed him. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I'd always like, hey, I want to try doing stand-up sometime. And then right. when I was on a family vacation, they had a talent show on the cruise that we were on. And I tried it. My, my dad helped me write some material. I didn't have any material. And my dad goes, hey, I'll help you write something. What do you want to talk about? Whoa. Start, Your dad helped yeah, me write Yeah, we start. It. Yeah. That's awesome. And um, so I tried it and I got... I did basically like three bits. Yeah. The first one went well. The second one bombed. And then the third one went well. At what age? So 19. Okay. You didn't get yeah, then, like no love for the second one? Like you're 19. They weren't going to be like, we'll just laugh anyways. No, it was bad. It was like I made a cancer joke. Oof. Stupid. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I learned uh, quick. I'm like still doing mine. Don't talk about that <laughs> stuff. still has a cancer <laughs> section in his bit. Uh, yeah, it was like stupid. Yeah, that's that's tough. Um, yeah. So what, Beastie Boys? Were you into the Beastie Boys? Yeah, of course. Yeah, Beastie Boys, uh, Run DMC. My favorite group had to be A Tribe Called Quest. Sure, sure. Right. My favorite group, uh, favorite hip-hop group. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I, there's so many. I kind of lost touch with a lot of the newer hip-hop is just so big now i still still into it but there's just so much out there now there is a ton out there for sure you know it's interesting you're talking about like doing other comedians when you're not a comedian yet and you're, you're you love it you have a tendency to memorize your favorite comedians 
jokes and then do them for your yeah. friends. So mine was Jake Johansson, who I don't know if mm. you guys know. Yeah, of yeah. course. But I loved Jake Johansson. I was a huge Letterman fan, and Jake was mm-hmm. always on, same with Robin Williams, was always on Letterman. I thought Jake Johansson was the funniest fucking person ever, man. So I, like, memorized all of his jokes and Barry Crimmins, which, and they're very different people, but I love Barry Crimmins as well. And, like, I would just do Jake Johansson jokes to everybody, and then, you know, people would be like, you're so funny. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, it's Jake Johansson, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Might have come up from Jake Johansson. But you know what I think it is, is like there's you're delivering the joke the right way. So there's something to be said for that. Yeah, you have the ear for it. And Jake's whole like thing Mm. used to like crack me. I actually got to one of my first hosting weekends ever at the punchline is with Jake Johansson. I got to tell him this story and be like, that's amazing. Yeah, I'm like, I used to do you were my guy, the guy I would take and do for my friends, your jokes, you know, I think. Most comedians had that. Well, the, any artist, the first um, phase of becoming an artist is imitation. Yep. So yeah. that's totally normal. The talk yep. box did it to the vocoder. Yeah. 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 Right. Was there anything about this doc that surprised you? Were you like something you didn't know about T Pain or something you didn't know about like Auto Tune or anything? Uh, the the Usher thing. Oh uh, yeah. Like, even just as an as an artist, why would you talk to another artist that way? Hmm. It, it, it just jealousy, maybe. There's a way to say it. If you're upset about something that somebody's doing, there's a way to say it that's not so destructive to somebody. That's just that's just like the way. If if um, what T Pain has said is true, the way that he said that has like no. That's there's no. Uh, there's no grace in that. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. ironic that Usher doesn't have like customer service skills or anything, you know. <laughs> Why Usher? Because you know he's, he's like guiding someone to the. He's an Usher. Know. It's yeah. I hope, I'm ripping I was that off asking, from someone because I was hoping that's not where no, you're. That's saying. literally what I do. Do you want to hear my Undertaker comments? No. <laughs> oh, I was like, please, Lord. please don't let this be what I think <laughs> no. it is. But I know people are confused right now, so it's got to be explained. <laughs> don't lead this into that. Um, <laughs> fuck, that is. I, I was surprised by a lot of this. I didn't even know. I actually watched his um, uh, Tiny Desk series, which I love. Tiny Death Series. Good, right? Oh, it's so- oh, you know what? Did, what did surprise me about that? I don't know if this was in the documentary. If I watched this after that, he said he was really nervous he, when he did that. Right? Yeah. Was that in the documentary? He wouldn't yeah. make eye contact with the audience. He, he yeah. Said he was looking at the floor and he was really nervous and thought he thought he was fucking up. Like yeah. yeah. And to us, you would never think mm-hmm. that. No, and it, it, you know all, all this. Every time I see someone who's super successful, who's super talented, mm-hmm. and they speak like that, where they say, I'm nervous, I'm shy, I don't know what I'm doing, I have imposter syndrome, I don't know if, if anyone's going to like this. I'm like, oh, they, they go through this too? Like, yeah, like really successful exactly. people go through that? Like, I didn't know that. I just figured they were super confident, and that's why they're successful. You know, like Exactly. I'm, that's exactly, because I think those thoughts, when I, when I think I'm doing bad— you just got to realize, like, the crowd does not realize that. Right. They don't, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, that's a, that's a crazy lesson from that. And I was, I, I really like this. I'm glad you brought this to us because I didn't know anything about any of this subject matter. I didn't even realize that Autotune was, like, so, a software that was, like, hidden from the, from the public for years. Yeah, that was interesting, right? Yeah. They didn't want people to know that singers were getting away with it. Yeah, I I love T Pain's story about getting all those like cracked DVDs of software yeah. and going through each of them. Mm-hmm. He was basically like, that's what DJs do to find samples, right? But he was doing that with software. That's pretty, he was digging in the crates, dude. For software. I remember those days of early Napster and torrenting. And getting cracked versions of, of like Mac OS stuff and, you know, like that, that stuff. That was super fun. I actually really enjoyed that. I, I liked yeah, the relationship and- between T-Pain and his wife. I thought that was a nice moment, too. Yeah. Great. And it's which, what did she compare to sort of being of mixed parentage with being like, like, oh, I've had caterers my whole life. You just have to, like, power through these haters. Yeah. Yeah. 
That was awesome. She seemed awesome. Yeah, that was that was so cool, man. So, Eric, thank you so much for bringing this is pop to us. It was great having you on. Um, it's great. Perf- Thanks for having me. Glad we got to perform together and we got to talk Helvetica and music yeah. and typeface and all the other stuff we talked about. And you've got some tours at uh, at the end of the summer. We can promote that as well. Yeah. So my feel good tour is. Starting up again at the end of the summer, starting August 18th. And then I don't know if you have, you guys probably have a lot of Bay Area uh, people listening, mm-hmm. but I'll be back at Cobbs where I met Paco. Uh, be back there um, October, not, I want to say 19th. No, I don't know. Mid- Go to my website. <laughs> in, in October, Eric Schwartz Live.com. Oh, that's awesome. S- so, um, yeah. Thank you so much, buddy. It was, it was great having you. Thank you, guys. And uh, if you want to talk Helvetica, Doc, let us know. Come back. Oh, man. On to now I got to watch that. It's really good. It's a very interesting Doc, for sure. Like, you learn a lot. I can see. I can see Nick is using Helvetica right mm-hmm. now on his Zoom screen. Yeah. Oh, is that what that is? That's not Verdun yet? Might be Ariel. Oh, okay. Ariel and Helvetica are very, are very the same. That is true. Very similar. That is true. Um, okay, thank you so much, George. As always, Nick, thanks for your help. And um, keep on watching docs. For those about to dock. We saw... No. Okay, just me? Sure. This is George this came is up doc. with that. This is doc. <laughs> he did. All right. Thank you. Bye. Dock your socks off. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about Subduck at subduckpodcast.com, recapping reality since 2015. Our theme song was written by David Siegel. Our show was engineered by Will Scoville. Our associate producer is Nick Coltis. Please donate to the show through our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Podcast. If you want to help us in other ways, please share the show with a friend. Join the Doc Talk and check out our hot takes, pictures, and videos on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We're SupDoc Podcast on all those platforms. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. To find out more about my and George's comedy gigs, check out our About Us page on our website. And SupDoc is by Doc Fans for Doc Fans. So if you want to advertise got a film or opinions you want to share just hit us up we'd love to hear more from you and what you're docking out on so email us at supdocpodcast at gmail.com 